The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you from Salem, New Hampshire at Two Guys Smoke Shop. And the boys, what are you guys smoking today? An Alfonso? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got- I, I have an Aladino. Oh, it's got us an Aladino. We're I, can't re- af- I can't afford the Alfonso's. That's for the attorney. <laughs> <laughs> We're re-upping our doggy bar today. I'm so grateful to welcome back Jeremy Cohen from Boston Dog Lawyers. But first, we're going to start with quirky tip of the day. Hang on. Good job with my tip, my pig handler. All right, so the quirky tip, you guys, is if you're having an issue with your dog, it may be a legal issue, you may not know if it's a legal issue, please contact Boston Dog Lawyers. The best way to reach them is send them an email through their website. Their website is going to be in the episode description. You can go click on that. They do free consults. And Jeremy is doing great things for dogs in New England. And a lot of dog lawyers are working all across the country right now. So we wanted to have them back on to kind of discuss more of this. Our first episode was awesome. And we're just going to hash out dogs and law today. Here's the dog lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. So tell us a little bit about some of the stuff you've been dealing with um, since we last saw you, some hot topics, just what you, kind of your career is looking like these days. Sure. Um, when I was last here about a year and a half ago, there were two of us in my office. Now we have eight. Wow. Uh, it's, it's because of people like you that spread the word that people can have help through no. a lawyer, uh, a concept that wasn't there a few years ago. And now I got involved in some legislative action, part of a committee trying to regulate boarding facilities in Massachusetts. Okay. And I, I hate it. I don't like dealing with the state legislature. <laughs> it's unbelievable the, the roadblocks. We're just trying to get regulations in place because boarding facilities in Massachusetts and New Hampshire are not regulated, mm-hmm. meaning... These people don't have to be trained to run it. They may not have people there overnight. They may not keep dogs separated by size. And dogs are getting hurt or killed once every 11 days. At least that's how many when I get the calls. And we tried really hard to get Ollie's law passed. Ollie is a a dog that was mauled at a doggy daycare on his first day. He died 40 days later, but they only had one person on staff. So the, mm. they couldn't break up the fight and they couldn't get the dog to the vet because the person couldn't leave. Yeah. And then they don't take accountability for it. And we're not looking to put any place out of business. We're just trying to make it safer for dogs. And unbelievably, the legislature, they killed the bill. We, really? were, we were in the Consumer Protection Committee. And uh, we thought everything was going well, and then they sent the bill to study, and that's a graveyard. And they did it because there's so many other factions involved, lobbyists that we didn't know about, including the AKC, and they got to the head of that committee. We just refiled Ollie's Law, and it uh, under Representative Brian Ash out of Massachusetts, he's a sponsor, and it's... Uh, we filed it in this past January, and now I think we have a better chance. We have a lot of sponsors in the House and the Senate. It's always law. They tried to take the name away from us last time, but it is always law, and all we're trying to do is make things safer. It's unreal how many people can get in the way of that. Yeah. Can you give a us a few points of the dogs. regulation that you're proposing? Sure. It's simple. Uh, because have- I'm anti-regulation. <laughs> okay. But I'll let you know Scott's right now. anti-rule. <laughs> I am. I am. 
I understand why it's you're trying to get it into place, and I've seen people that think they're going to capitalize on the multi-million dollar dog industry that know nothing about dogs and open a daycare. But what are the regulations that you're proposing? Uh, not a lot. Could you just have an emergency plan if there's going to be a fire? Could you keep somebody there overnight if your dog's going to be there overnight? Mm-hmm. Could you have a relationship with a nearby vet that in case something happens, you can get either somebody from the vet to come to you or you can immediately get this dog into the vet? Uh, could you have the right size fence outside so the dog can't get under it or over it? Things that we all as pet owners think are already Just assume there. it's going to happen, yeah. yeah. I can tell you, Jess and I had a facility for several years, and uh, we would have met all that criteria immediately. We had a bedroom there, it was, a, and we had someone there every night. There were dogs there. Didn't have to, but we'd had that set up. And everything you're talking about, Just trust, it's, it's like common us. sense. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. common sense yeah. stuff. And that's what's so frustrating that we can't get it passed. So what I do is I've encouraged boarding facilities, call me, and I will help you voluntarily self-regulate in terms of just putting in these basic things. The other thing is air quality and how to keep flushing the air and make sure uh, you have fresh air coming in for the dogs. We're not asking for... These are basic things. These are things that pet owners could could regulate by going in there and saying, tell me these seven things. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I hate is a dog daycare where you don't get past the front desk and you don't see anything going on there. And to let my dog go behind a wall where I don't know what's going on, that's just out of the question. Yeah. I could not leave my dog in a place that I couldn't see what's going on, where do they stay. That's just basic. It's like a kid's daycare. I want to see what, what's going on. Who's watching my kid? I got a call last night from somebody whose dog was killed yesterday morning. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It was a dog's first day there. And I said, let me guess. They And obviously the, the boarding facility said, wasn't our fault. Your dog was jumped off a wall or something. I said, let me guess. Their cameras were off. When said, that happened, yeah. yeah. He said, how'd you know? Every time. He said, the cameras, the, the cameras are never working yeah. during any of these incidents. Uh, just take accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. That doesn't seem like too much regulation to me. Okay. Yeah. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. I mean, that's common sense stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, what I get concerned about is when the regulation is gearing towards you having to get certified through a regulation, through a board or an organization that is promoting the regulation right. in the first place. Right. That, to me, I don't like. Yeah, extra money and extra tape right. and everything else. So are you seeing a lot of, like, citizens as clients? Are you representing a lot of businesses? Is there a mix? Who's your clientele right now? It's mostly pet owners, okay. but we've started to branch out into uh, into businesses, small pet businesses mm-hmm. in the industry. Uh, we consult for some a, a company that's building private dog parks okay. where people can come, they can have drinks, they can do work, they can have their dog there, they can eat. Um, and they, they want to understand what are the risks, what, what type of injuries happen, what can I help them to prevent. And we do represent groomers, trainers, boarding facilities, occasionally a rescue, uh, just because we know we have the same clientele. One of the, although this is the coolest thing now, the second time doing it. One <laughs> We're of the, so happy to have you back. <laughs> one of the coolest things that's happened since I was here is this, the International Boarding and Pet Services Association. So they have a membership around the world and they, they have trainers, groomers, mm-hmm. and boarding facilities as part, as their membership. They, they paid for me to come down and speak to their conference. Oh, nice. And, and that was just so cool to have somebody like, yeah, you know, really acknowledge your, some, your great work. Yeah. And 
we have the same clients. Th- those boarding facilities, those trainers, I'm servicing the same people. Yeah. So there's so many ways to make this safer for dogs. And that's one of the, our mission that it's not necessarily about filing suit and being adversarial. It's just educating. And yeah. because I know both sides, we should share that information yeah. on how to And representing things. the dogs. I mean, the dogs deserve to be represented. You know, yeah. just getting this call, you sign a contract at a daycare. If your dog, you know, has a fatal accident the first day, it just shouldn't go by the wayside. Like dogs deserve some representation and they deserve a voice. And even referring to Ollie's Law, I'm glad you're keeping that name because it matters. Like it matters that these dog stories are told and it doesn't continue happening. Yeah. The one thing about the daycares that I've always, the, the, the waiver, I guess, that always bothered me is the dogs will be dogs. And what that, that means, they kill each other. They fuck, you know what I mean? It's like, it just covers everything when they say that. Dogs will be dogs. Things happen. Too bad. So sad. No. You you know, use, be responsible. It's so wrong. And when I see that, well, there's an inherent risk. Dogs will be dogs. No, you have to make sure you're providing a safe environment. And you got to keep an eye on these dogs. Certainly, some things happen is nobody's fault. But when it happens at your facility, you should at least be out front and, you know, the the these businesses they look at us as pet owners and say we're gonna we're gonna base our marketing on the love and the bond that these people have with their dog and then when it comes time to be responsible or to to pay for an injury they don't want to do it yeah. so they recognize the bond when it's favorable for them especially veterinarians and their insurance companies but when it's time to to pay up and be responsible they they just think it's just a dog. You'll find another yeah. dog. And that's not fair. Yeah, you can't play it both ways. Yeah, and I'll tell you, we, uh, and I've, this is not something that I'm excited to share with you, but we had a dog pass away in our, when we had the dog. Something was going wrong with the dog. We immediately brought it to the emergency vet in Portsmouth. The dog died at the vet. And we immediately took it from there and paid to have a necropsy done on the dog. We're like, what the fuck happened to this dog? And we're like, oh, and I immediately called the owner from the vet, told her what was going on. The dog just dropped on us. And we'd only had the dog for like two days. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't like it was starved to death or something, you know? And we're waiting for the necropsy. And I'm like, I hope to God they come up with a reason. Because if they don't know why, it still leaves a gray area. Right. And sure enough, the, the necropsy came back that the dog had a huge and large heart. And the, and the vet told the owner the dog was a ticking time bomb. She had just got the dog, like, as an adult from some other uh, rescue. Yeah. And it just happened. And it, unfortunately, it happened with us. But we did everything in our... And, and, the do- and the lady, because we were so upfront about everything, and she realized when they told her it was a ticking time bomb, she got another dog, had us working with the other dog. We were going to her house to help her with a dog walker that was having trouble with the second dog. But it was a, a very emotionally upsetting thing for Jess, for me, for the owner... And we wanted to make everything right because we didn't believe we had done anything wrong. It just had happened. And thank God, it's like, you know, 20-something years of dog training. That's not something that happens more than once in your career. But with dog daycares, it's something that happens fairly often, I think. I I can see the impact you. And you didn't need to be told to do these steps. Oh, you no, took, no, we, you, you we, right they in. actually had us pick the dog up. We had to drive the dog to University of New Hampshire. Port City wasn't going to transport the dog. We paid $600. I mean, we were destroyed. I didn't eat mm. for three days. Like, you know, it was terrible. But as Scott has said, 
we have since trained her other dogs. We, you know, we're, we're close with this woman. Like, you know, and yes, stuff happens and accidents happen, but you have to be upfront. You know, Scott was on the phone that night and it was one of the hardest calls he ever made, but he was on the phone that night and hiding stuff is not helping anyone. No. And that idea that you can still have a relationship with that pet owner, that's amazing because it doesn't have to be this adversarial. Yeah. As soon as there's a dispute or a grievance or something bad happens, you turn your back. Yeah. You should be thinking, what would I want as a pet owner? And exactly. it wasn't, it's not, it's usually not money that the pet owner wants. No. They just want you to to embrace them and say, I'm sorry this yeah. happened. Let's figure it out together. The Money is not on their mind, number one. When they come to me, by that time, they've been ignored. Yeah. And now they're, they want war. Yeah. And that's when you know, they come to me and they want to shut businesses down and things. And we don't do that, but we just try to hold people you, accountable. You get justice. You do what the law's built for. Well, they have all that pain and they're channeling it towards something. Yeah. You know, the, towards the person that caused the pain in their mind, which was the daycare. You know what stinks about that? Is they also channel it against me. Yeah. <laughs> because if things aren't moving fast enough, all those calls that yeah. people just get, they have so much anger. And they have to take it out on some professional and other professionals have turned their back. But, and I'm really thin skinned, so I take it really personal, but I'm working through that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're going to go to break super quick. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about dogs and the law. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast, like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. All right. One thing I want to talk about, and you had mentioned, um, there's been like an uptick of animal abuse. What is it? Abuse? What do we call it? What is the neglect? Negligence? Yeah. Neglect. Let's talk about this a little bit. In in Massachusetts, it's it's all under the same statute, animal neglect, animal cruelty. Okay. And what it is, is it's very subjective to a lot of pet owners being charged with a crime because their dog was too fat, too thin, was left in a car. Um, even if uh, people see them you know, yanking the chain during training them, or something is so easy. Everybody's been deputized now to rat on people. And, and I never used to handle animal cruelty cases. I certainly won't handle a case where the dog has been abused and physically harmed. I mean, you can really sift those out quickly. But I am starting to take cases because pet owners are being wrongfully charged with a crime. And in Massachusetts, it's a felony. That means you're looking at time, you're looking at a fine, and you're looking at the loss of your ability to to be around dogs or work around dogs. It's very, very serious. And it's in the newspaper. It's like public information that you've abused an animal, which Mm. I can't think of anything worse for anybody, let alone a dog professional. Which is why we limit it to, to the people who is a one-off. It's not people who are physically yeah. abused. But you are, right. Once that's in the paper, forget it. Yeah. Because people just think, they think that the police have probable cause or animal control have probable cause. And we are showing that they didn't. And amazingly, I think taking these cases without any having a criminal background in, in law, uh, we're making arguments that, these courts have never heard before because I don't I don't know any better. So we're not going about it this, the 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 you know the way it used to be done, and and we're starting to see that DAs and and judges are understanding our argument. And you can't be charging everybody with a felony and threatening to take their Animal. at some point it's their livelihood because they're yeah. trainers or yeah. or even at board uh, represent somebody at a boarding facility. But what's most concerning is especially for people coming from New Hampshire, and I've dealt with this, 
they don't know this this new law about dogs in cars. And now people are, are have been deputized to if they see a dog in a car, they are first they're trying to open the door to get the dog out. They're they're sounding the alarm that this dog is neglected. Mm-hmm. The police come down, they take they can break into the car and take the dog and leave you a note. And it may not even be too too hot out. It may yeah. not even be too cold out. People just see this because the law changed a couple of years ago and got super strict, and now everybody's calling the police. So there's such an uptick in the in in people being charged with animal cruelty, and it's just it's not right. That should be a, a law that's designed for what we know animal cruelty to yes. be. Yes. And this subtle stuff where a pet owner makes a decision um, about how to how to train the dog or even how they want to feed it or exercise it. I, I represented people that their their dog was taken away and they were charged with neglect because the dog was too fat. And it certainly was a fat dog. It it walked like a turtle. It was so fat. Yeah. But is that really a crime? Yeah. Um, instead, how about talking to them about changing the diet or something like that? But but making them go to criminal court and stand up there and hear the charge against them, it's just not right. And so we are now representing that class of people. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And this is a a newer uptick, you're saying. Like, this is, yeah. Yeah. So, what is your favorite part of your career? We've we've harped on a lot of negatives so far. So, what's what's your favorite part of what you do? I I love arguing. (laughs) I love arguing in court. I love being in court and making, and just making the case why my client should have custody of the dog or why this dog isn't dangerous. But my, I think the favorite part is every day is different. Yeah. And now, I, I made a list the other day of all the calls I've got about different pets. I just handled a snake case. Oh, cool. And a few years ago, I never would have taken the snake <laughs> case. And it sounded impossible. There was a fire, Worcester. P- four people died. And when they were going to board up the house, they found 21 snakes that lived because the they poured a million gallons of water on the fire and the snakes lived because the water got in their tanks and kept them oh, cool. Oh, interesting, yeah. But then they, the story, of how they had to remove the snakes. It ended up 10 of them were poisonous and illegal. And the police still had, they had to form a caravan to drive the snakes out to where they were going to be sheltered. At any time, if they got loose, they were told to just drive off the road because it was too dangerous if these snakes got loose. But ultimately, my client wanted her 10 legal snakes back she had every right to have them back, and we actually got them back, and they're awesome. they bring the snakes back. So these situations where people think it's hopeless, but they somehow found us, and taking the lessons we learned from representing dog owners, and it can apply uh, to snakes. I mean, the calls about, there's a lot of fun calls, calls about fish, and yeah. I got calls about the vet killed my hamster, and uh, I wanted to sue them, and just things like that, uh, they make the day go by. I mean, the people yeah. are taking it serious. Sometimes I'm like, I always wonder, is this a friend playing a joke? Yeah, yeah. But um, people and their pets. I got to yeah. start making some prank calls. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah, in all your spare time. Well, and that's interesting when you talk about, you know, you like to make these arguments because a lot of the arguments you're making are novel. Like, this is a newer field that is kind of up and coming, and you're kind of heading it in a certain way. I mean, you're really kind of a forefront of that. And I think you said... What, like 35 states now have similar setup? They have at least somebody that I know I can refer to. They might not okay. do it full time. But the other exciting thing is, and I may have brought this up before, is I, I really hated being a lawyer before I did this. I was so bored. Yeah. I didn't like being in law school when I was a lawyer. And suddenly, 
we're making arguments at the appeals court in Massachusetts, like a super high next to the highest court in the state about why pets shouldn't be considered property and why uh, couples should be able to, even though they hate each other, still share the pet. And, and we're being challenged by other lawyers and we're, we're bringing this to the highest court that we can to try to change the law. It, it, it takes baby steps. There's a lot of uh, curmudgeonly judges who don't want to see this change, but just bringing it there, just bringing that fight, uh, we're going to get there. We're going to change the law. It may not happen. Uh, hopefully it happens during my career, but yeah. um, well, that's uh, fun too. I'm opposed to... <laughs> Here we go. Another I opposition am. from Scott. I am. I, I'm opposed to a dog being something other than property because that means that other people can come in and evaluate my house and decide your dog doesn't have a big enough room. He should have a 12 foot by 12 foot bedroom personally because things can get a little crazy. And uh, I would rather see the other side of it where people are prosecuted for abuse than having to live within these regulations and having my dog be like a child. Does that make sense to you? It does. And if I misspoke, pets are property. They're not more. They, they should well, never be. Well, you said the, the bill was to make them something other than uh, property. Well, a special type of property where they don't have standing to go to court, but Judges right now are saying a dog is like a table and you cannot share a table. You mm. can't cut the table in half. That's not true. You yeah. can share a dog. And they're, they're unwilling uh, at the highest court right now to say that you can. We're not saying pets have rights. We are a pet owner's rights law firm. Okay. Not, um, it, there's plenty of people who are advocating for pets' rights. We, I never wanted to do that because there's people still who don't have rights that are yeah, recognized. Yeah, yeah. It's not about pets' rights. Put our ducks rights. in a row, yeah. It's about recognizing that pet owners should, in this instance, should be able to share the dog. That you, It's not a kitchen table. It's yeah. a dog with a finite lifestyle that can go back and forth between houses. And So that's sort of the, the angle judges they have to modernize a little bit, at least yeah. to see how we And the them. comparison to the table is a great one. And really, if you look at society nowadays, a lot of people are getting the dog before they have the kid. Or, you know, they're not, they choose not to have children. And the dog kind of becomes the child. So it makes perfect sense that if you've been in a relationship for five or six years and you guys have had this dog the whole time, you would want split custody. You know what I mean? And it may be for the dog's greater good. Scott and I see this quite frequently that one member of the couple is a little bit healthier for the dog than the other. It may be for the dog's greater good to go on the weekends here or there. And I totally get that. And it helps people kind of work through this minutia because the way that people are seeing dogs is more similar to children at this point. It's not a kitchen table, like you say. Right. Two yeah. things about that. I am not changing my opinions up here just because... No, no, <laughs> because I'm, you, I'm just okay. giving my... Uh, yeah. Just because you got me a great cigar. <laughs> so, um, there's certainly, we can certainly disagree on things, but if they're just a piece of property, when your dog is harmed at the vet, at the groomer, at the trainer you're only getting replacement value. And that, so the law right now does not look at the va the intrinsic value, the value of that dog to your family. Mm -hmm. yeah. They won't give emotional distress damages yeah, to you pet get, owners. It's, yeah, you get a new puppy. You get yeah. a $300 yeah. puppy. I understand yeah. that. And yeah. so we're just trying to break through, not so more money is flowing, but that's how you affect behavior. People will treat the dogs better. They'll improve their procedures wherever yeah. you have your dog because they're Got to be concerned about the well, wall. Well, a service, service dog is a perfect example. That could be a dog with $15,000 worth of training in it. And if that dog now is harmed by a vet, it's not just a puppy replacement. There's a, a service dog that needs to be replaced. But on an unrelated note, 
a latest thing I just read, which I thought was interesting that may or may not have to do with the law, but about taxes, where there was a guy that had a, a house in Miami and a house in like New Hampshire, for example. Mm-hmm. And he was writing off, he said, oh, my, my residence is in Miami. And they, and they were for tax purposes. And they were arguing, oh, no, no, you have your house. And what determined whether or not it was a house, his home, was did he bring his dog with him? When he brought his dog with him, that's where he freaking lives. Became his home, yeah. And then they said, okay, we'll give you the write-off because you brought your dog with you. And that's what determined that's his home because his home is where his dog is. That's great. Isn't that's that a step. That's yeah, a step it's in the right direction. These baby steps. Service dogs. We just settled a case, $60,000 because our, our client's service dog was, was attacked by a few um, bulldogs, could never be a service dog again. And for her needs, that's, like you said, that's yeah. the cost of training, a yes. properly yeah. training a service dog for, a partic- for these sure. particular needs she had. So, it's a huge expense and time and the, bond, the relationship with the dogs, a lot going on there. The law does recognize that those dogs are a special type of property, service yeah. dogs. So at least they do recognize <clears> it there. It could be kind of like with a classic car. If you have a 67 Camaro, but you have not had it appraised, it's just an old car if it gets crashed. Right. But if it's been appraised, now you can say, hey, that, that, that car was worth 40 grand. It's not just an old Camaro. That was, you know what I mean? So now the insurance has to pay you for the appraised value. And there's experts out there that will share the appraised value with us. Yeah. yeah. And so that's another field that's, that's yeah, opening up, up and too. coming. Well, and I just love this emotional, you know, component of it because like Scott and I, our dogs are a world. Like that is, it's not, if something happened to one of our dogs, like, we'd be beyond devastated and especially if it was an accident or something and it is important to take into account what it does to a human and a family because these dogs are more than just you know something that you take for a walk and they sleep under the kitchen table now they really are becoming truly family members when you take 50 calls actually we're getting about 90 to 100 calls a month now and there's tears and emotion in every one of those yeah. calls you have to advocate for, yeah. for some type no, of change true. you it's hear true. it's just so sad and it's so What's even sadder is the unfairness of how how pet owners, the responses they get. So we're not, well, I guess we are troublemakers. We, ha- <laughs> we, are, we are troublemakers. You're rabble rousers. For the, for the right people, though. Yeah, we need some rabble rousing out there in the dog field for sure. So we have people that listen from and watch all over the country. So if they are curious about a legal matter or something, if they contact you and they don't live in Massachusetts, you may be able to refer them out or that's still okay. It doesn't just have to be Massachusetts residents right. that reach out. I don't, uh, if you've reached out to me, I will find you. I won't just say we don't do that. Okay. I will find you somebody. And, and what's a real exciting step since the last time we were here is we now have um, pretty much, we're opening Boston Dog Lawyers of San Diego. Oh, cool. Sweet. And Both uh, coasts, babies. Yeah. Both coasts. Two liberal states. <laughs> Well, if we can get the coast, we can yeah, build no. towards the middle. And yeah. that's never been really a goal. To it, The goal is that pet owners in any state could have access to some type of a pet lawyer, at least know yeah. that someone exists. But They need someone to speak on their behalf. And I so appreciate what you're doing because you're right. We've seen it a lot. We're dog professionals in the industry. We've been in the industry for a while. And a lot of people don't really give a rat's ass. They just, you know, they call, oh, this bad thing happened. And we're like, that's Mm -hmm. terrible. Like, you have to address it. Like, you have to do something about it. And these owners are trusting you with their pride and their joy. They're dropping them off every morning. They're dropping them off for grooming. You know, they're trusting that you're giving sound medical advice or sound medical treatment to these dogs. And when that goes awry, it should be public it should be addressed and change does need to happen i think it's so great true. one I thing it's I, great. that we've run into fairly often is 
uh, someone that has a, an emotional support dog that now has moved into a condo association where they say, no dogs, you can't have a dog. Well, you know, with an emotional support dog, you can have that dog in that. But it may require that you get a professional like you to come in and say, listen, because as soon as an attorney gets involved, people start backing down. Yeah. Do you but have if, any of those? If they can just say, hey, you can't be here with your dog, a lot of people just go away. Yeah. So I have tons of those cases, and we charge a, a relatively small flat fee because I know, as you said, once we get involved, as long as you can give me the right paperwork, we win. Yeah. And these landlords and these these homeowners associations, these condo associations, they only learn about the law when they break it. But even when they know they're not right, they'll push you. And one of the things Hoping they have, go away, yeah. yeah. One of the things they have is, well, if we incur legal fees, you have to pay it. And some of these uh, condo docs, that's unfair. We vet every case to make sure these people weren't just denied a dog and then decided to to you know, poof, I have a emotional yeah. support animal. But one case we had was um, that we took last year, emotional support chickens. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, How'd that one fare? Well, it might, might be harder with a rooster. But <laughs> yeah. So the part of the agreement was we'll get rid of the roosters because that's that yeah. annoys people. But yeah. well, we're, we're a year, actually we're a year and a half later and my little seven-year-old client still has her chickens. There you go. So, oh, I love it. Um, it's been, the fact that we just brought the fight it's not fully determined yet, but still, a year and a half later, she's, she's got her chickens. And, and we've proven how important these are to her. But the judge ultimately said, why, why not a cat? And I said, Your Honor, that is the wrong question yeah. to be asking. And so right off the bat, we started to have a fight because she was <laughs> like, don't question me. But it's not about what animal, it's what impact. Yes, it's true. And, and so... Um, and animals, I mean, just so you guys understand where Scott and I are coming from when we get up here on a weekly basis, animals of many species can greatly impact people's lives, children's lives, people with, you know, emotionally troubling lives. We fully believe in But I will say that. none as much as a dog. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Especially if it's yeah. Scott's dog. And I, I want to say also just about my dog and, and the way we take care of our dogs. We are with my dog doing this proactive vet care now because what, the brother of my dog had got cancer okay. at nine. And so weird. What did we just do? What did, was just the, an, an ultrasound? We do an for, ultrasound, yeah, all this stuff, which costs like seven hundred bucks to just see that nothing is growing. Because by the time you find out the dog has it, it's too late. So we're just like keeping an eye, and you know, it's like I don't know how many people do that. proactive vet care, but we want to make sure that if anything pops up, we can do the best we can to keep him going as long as possible. I really like that, like a full body scan. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. 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 Check his heart, checked everything, and then he comes back, everything's fine. And I always say, well, I, obviously, but <laughs> but the peace of mind you yeah. have, and I'm sure pet insurance won't pay for that. No, but no, who no. cares? No, yeah, we don't. Got, yeah, we we just we're trying to give the best we possibly oh, can to our animals. I have and, not heard that. Yeah, that's great. I am in the right place among the right people. <laughs> we're the crazy cool. dog people. Anything oh. else we've missed, Jeremy, about um, your business or your career or anything else that you want to mention? Uh, one tip I always try to give. This is not necessarily about me, but. Regarding all the tools that are out there for dogs, I just think the worst thing when I see people using a retractable leash, oh, I think it's I the like worst that. thing you can use because it's not safe for the dog. Reason is... Or the human. Uh, or the human. Yeah. The reason is, but if there's a threat coming, a coyote, another dog, you don't have time to bring your dog in and to, to reel it in and get it close to you and to get out of that situation. And more and more coyotes are out there going after small dogs. 
and people with small dogs love the retractable leash. Look at me. Um, look at the the, the freedom liberty, he the has. Freedom, yeah, yeah. But you're not doing your dog a favor because that's that's where I see a lot of problems happening. Yeah, I love that. All right, even the dog lawyer is anti-retractable, you guys. And you're not going to bring a lawsuit against the coyote that kills the <laughs> like. There's not there's not a whole lot we can do at that right. point. Thank you, thank you, thank you again, Jeremy, for coming on. We'll probably have Jeremy back. He always has so much to impart with his knowledge and his cases, and we always love the discussion. Again, if you guys need any legal services, whether you're in Massachusetts or not, please check out Boston Dog Lawyers. The description will be in today's episode link. And in the meantime, keep Keep it it quirky. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.